Well, good morning. My name is Josh. I'm the students pastor here at Gateway. I hope you're having a good morning. How's everybody doing? Good, good, good to see you. Um, so uh, we're in this series in Romans 8. Romans 8 is this amazing chapter, kind of pinnacle of, you know, the book of Romans. Really amazing. Uh, and so we're talking about life in the Spirit. And this morning we find ourselves at this very small little section, uh, two verses. And so I'll probably say those verses a ton because it's only two, you know, instead of like three chapters that we got to talk about. And so it's really great. Um, but I, I love this passage partly because I've learned a ton this week. And my hope is that uh, we all leave encouraged here this morning. Um, a little bit about myself. I, I like sports a lot. Uh, I probably like sports too much. Uh, I know too many facts uh, that are not useful in helping me become more like Jesus. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I should memorize more scripture instead of stats, uh, but I, I just know the things. And so one of my greatest uh, sporting moments as a fan uh, is 2017. My wife and I went to the Diamondbacks uh, playoff game uh, against, uh, it was against the Rockies in the wild card. So if you're like, I don't care about sports. Okay, stick with me. Here you go. Um, so in the sense of, uh, if you don't know anything about the wild card in baseball now, is there's, uh, if you're a wild card team, you only get to play one game. And in that one game, you have to win, otherwise your season's done. If your season goes on, uh, then if you win, you get to go on and actually, like, get in the playoffs. So this was 2017. Diamondbacks hadn't been, you know, to the playoffs in a while. And I think in the first inning, uh, I'm in the third level with my, like, very pregnant wife. And we're up there, and it was a great time. Uh, but I think in the first inning, Paul Goldschmidt hit a home run, and I just lost it. And I was, like, going nuts. I was cheering as loud as I could. And I didn't sit down the rest of the time. You know what I mean? Like, we were just screaming. I'm, like, telling the umpire he doesn't know what he's looking at. You know, balls and strikes. I'm 500 feet away. This guy is two feet away and can't see a strike for the life of him. You know, like, I'm calling people safe. I'm calling people out. It's just a ton of fun. And if you're a fan of sports teams, that's just how we roll. We enjoy that. And for some reason, we actually think that we're being very helpful and contributing to the overall victory of the team, you know? Uh, and, and so on that night when we won, uh, we won, you know? But if we're all being honest, if I'm being very honest, um, I did not help. No, you know, they can't hear me from third level, you know, way up in the cheap seats. They can't hear me. And here's the thing is, today we're looking at these two verses where we find that the Spirit of God who dwells in believers, he actually does help, right? He is powerful to help. He is the one who is going to help us in our weakness. And so uh, we have an actual uh, real source of power, which is the Spirit of the living God dwelling inside his people. And today I get the privilege of kind of just mining through that a little bit this morning and hopefully uh, I can encourage you. So let's pray together and then we'll jump into the text. Father, um, I, I pray that uh, we would see the gift of the Spirit as a treasure uh, more valuable than we realized when we walked in here today. Open our eyes to the truths of Scripture. Uh, open our eyes to see the beauty of what you're trying to say to your people here in the book of Romans. And Lord, may we be shaped and formed more into the image of Christ. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, so today we're going to see four ways in which the Spirit helps us as believers. And so the first way is this, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Take a look at verse 26 with me. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Paul includes himself. You know, we, we like it when people say, hey, we have a problem. We don't like it when people say, you have a problem. You know, you're like, oh, too aggressive. But Paul understands that there is this element of we all are weak, right? This is not finding itself alone in Romans 8. It's part of the overall argument that Paul is making. And we as a people who have come to know Christ by faith, we recognize, especially at the very beginning, that Christ has done the work. That we live according to the Spirit. That we have minds that are no longer set on the flesh, but they're set on the spirit. We need help. We need the spirit's help to kill sin. We are weak. And God supplied the power. And Paul's just reiterating that. He says, likewise, he says, the spirit helps in your weakness. There's this really amazing part, though, that I think uh, sometimes we don't like feeling weak. Uh, You know, Paul had this moment in his life where he has this thorn in the flesh, and we don't know what it is, but he says he prays three times for God to take it away, and then God doesn't, and what does God say to him in 2 Corinthians chapter 12? He says to him, right, my power, or my grace is sufficient for you, my power is made perfect in weakness. And so then Paul goes like, I'm going to boast in my weakness because when I'm weak, then he is strong. There's this element that as Christians, we recognize that we weren't strong so that now because we're strong, we come to God. That's not how this works. We are weak. We need a savior and therefore we put our faith in the one who can save. And that continues on in our life with the spirit. In our life as we walk with God, we need help. Uh, I had a college pastor, he, he uh, at, at the church I went to, First Southern Tucson, uh, he, he would say, you know, uh, for Christians, sometimes we get saved, and then we get over it. And he was referencing this element of, like, just the beauty of the gospel, and the beauty of Christ's sacrifice and resurrection, and the hope of glory that we have, similar to what we're talking about in Romans 8. We get saved, and we get over it. But sometimes I think as Christians, we think, ah, we get saved, and now we got to get strong. They're like, I got to do this work. And Romans 8, 26 just flies right in and Paul's like, hey, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now connected to it is this word, you know, you only get two verses, you get to like look at every word. And so there's this word at the very beginning that we might glance over. Likewise. What does that mean? Well, it just means in the same way. Well, in the same way as what? Well, in the same way as like the preceding verses that Seth preached on last week, that we have this assurance of hope, that we have a sure hope that God's redemption is coming when Christ comes again, and the Spirit is the first fruits of that. And while creation's groaning and we're groaning, we have a hope that is sure that what is going to come is going to be greater than what we're experiencing now. And so then Paul says, likewise, the Spirit helps you in your weakness. Our weaknesses are sin and suffering, different trials and the different things in our lives. And now he says the Spirit is helping you like hope helps you. The hope of glory. Uh, One of my favorite books is The Lord of the Rings. Uh, The movies are great too, but I really like the books. 
Uh, if you've never read them, summer reading list, go for it, okay? Uh, but there's this element, spoiler alert, book's been written for a long time. I know there might be kids here. Uh, close your eyes if you're like, ah, oh, I don't want to know. Anyway, I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, my, favorite, uh, my favorite character in the books is Samwise Gamgee. He is this humble gardener uh, who is friends with Frodo, and they get sent on this journey together, and Sam just doesn't quit him. You know, he's the guy who's going to be with him through thick and thin. His word matters. He's going to say, I'm going to be there, so I'm going to be there. I said I was going to help you, so I'm going to help you. Even if it's going to cost him something. Even if he dies trying, he's going to do it. And there's this moment in the book where they're on their way to destroy the ring. It's just Sam and Frodo left. If you know, they're in Mordor. And they got to take this ring up this mountain and then cast it into the fire. They get to the mountain, Frodo's spent, he can't do it, he can't walk anymore, hardly talk, can barely drink water. Frodo's just done. And what does Sam do? He looks over and he says, I can't carry the ring, but I can't carry you and I can't carry it. And he puts Frodo on his back. In the book, it says that he actually feels like Frodo got lighter. And that his burdens got less. And so then all of a sudden, like, he puts Sam on his back and he carries Sam, or he puts Frodo on his back and he carries him up the mountain to finish the job. And that's kind of the picture that Paul's giving us of the Spirit. That in your weakness, in your trials, in your sin, in your suffering, the Spirit of God doesn't recoil at his children. He doesn't recoil at what God's doing in their lives. He then pushes in and he helps them in their weakness. He carries them along to their desired destination. The main idea that I have through today is this, that through the helpful intercession of the Holy Spirit, the people of God are guaranteed to reach their God-ordained redemption. That redemption that Seth talked about last week in the preceding verses, this hope of glory that we just can't compare what it's going to be. We're going to get there because God has not left us alone. He's given us a helper, and the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The second way that the Spirit helps us is he helps us in our ignorance. Uh, look at verse 26. I'll read it in its entirety. Uh, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That word for is just indicating, okay, well, how or why does the Spirit help us in our weakness? And Paul, in this moment, says, well, for... We don't know how to pray as we ought. Seems interesting for a guy who prayed a ton. He's like, we don't really know how to pray all the time the way we should. You know, prayer is kind of a mystery to many of us. Uh, I, I want to just, before we continue any further, this is not going to be the sermon where you're like, oh, I feel bad that I don't pray a lot. That's not what this chunk is about. So if those feelings are starting to creep up, don't worry. But there's this element where he says, for we don't know how to pray as we ought. And, and Paul is saying, like, in kind of the just grand scope of life, we all pray. But we're not necessarily quite sure how it all works. And sometimes we recognize we don't actually pray for what we maybe should pray. And it's more about humility. Uh, you know, I have two kids, uh, and my oldest is five, and she just started doing, uh, well, she just wrapped up her first year of pre-kindergarten. On to kindergarten next year, uh, so, or in August, I guess, two months. Uh, but anyway, that's where we're going. 
And if you have been in my situation, in my shoes, you now understand, or I understand you better, uh, I get a lot of questions because we're learning things. You know, we're learning about uh, caterpillars and we're learning about space. And the other day we were driving in the car and we've basically, ever since I can remember, anytime we like hear an airplane, we like look for it. And we're like, where's the airplane? Boom. Shouldn't do that really very much when you're driving, but I, I could see the airplane. It was right there. And Autumn, she says, dad, look, there's an airplane. I was like, yep, there it is. It's just like normal part of our life. But then the question came. Dad, yes? How do airplanes fly? Okay, here we go. See, now, like, kids going to school, I got to be an expert about everything. I don't remember anything we learned in school, you know what I mean? So here I am, sitting like, well, I'm driving. I shouldn't Google how do planes fly. Uh, So here I go, you know, I'm going to give it my best effort. Uh, Autumn, I think there's these like jets on it that make it go fast. I think the way it's built is that like air does something over the wings when it goes fast. And I think it's called lift. And then the plane goes up. And it just better keep going. You know, like I, I don't know. Like, and that's kind of, that was the best I had in that moment. And let's be honest. When it comes to prayer, sometimes like that's kind of how we're operating. Is we're like, Lord, I know you've taught me to pray. I've read through the scriptures. Uh, Lord, I see there's a whole book of songs and prayers written by people in the book of Psalms. Or, Lord, I'm reading the, the epistles and Paul's writing how he's praying for people. These are good things. Today is not an excuse to not pray. Right? Today's not an excuse to not pray. It's, it's just a reality check for all of us to just say, like, ah, I don't really know how to pray the best all the time. But... Right there, as it says in verse 26, the Spirit himself is interceding on our behalf. Right? We have one who is helping us in our ignorance. Who is coming alongside us and praying with us. And so we have this helper who is helping us in our ignorance. Paul Miller wrote a book called The Praying Life. And he kind of says something like this about prayer. He says, prayer mirrors the gospel. In the gospel, the Father takes us as we are because of Jesus and gives us his gift of salvation. In prayer, the Father receives us as we are because of Jesus and gives us his gift of help. We look at the inadequacy of our praying and give up, thinking something is wrong with us. God looks at the adequacy of his Son and delights in our sloppy, meandering prayers. So when I come across something like Romans 8.26, I just want to look at all of us and I want to say, keep praying. You have a helper who understands your weakness. Who's with you in the midst of it. And he's helping you in it. And even when it doesn't feel like you know how to pray, just keep praying. Keep praying. And even when you don't have words to say, there is one who is praying on your behalf with groanings too deep for words. That he's interceding on your behalf. He's praying for you. And so here's what I want to say to us this morning. Keep praying. You have a helper. The third way the Spirit helps is he helps uh, us by interceding on our behalf. Interceding on our behalf. 
Verse 26 and 27 kind of says something similar at the same time, or not at the same time, but kind of in a row, so we should pay attention. So take a look at verse 26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Here's one of the things that we come to learn pretty quick in Scripture, is that, like, you and I are not the main characters. Like, we're not the main actors in the story. The main actor in this text is not you and me. The main actor in this text is the Holy Spirit who helps. And he does it because we're weak. And he knows we don't know how to pray. And so then what does he do? He intercedes on our behalf. He goes before the Father and he prays prayers according to the will of God for you and me. And someone who's interceding is one who's going to go between. And this is not a surprise when you're looking at Romans 8. Like Romans 8 is kind of like this treasure chest that, you know, somebody, like, is going in and, like, the infomercial guy, they're like, check this out. And then, like, check out this truth that's true of Christians. Check out this truth that's true of Christians. And then, you know, the infomercial guy is like, but wait, there's more. You know, like, that's like, it's like kind of how, like, Romans 8 just keeps going. It keeps going and going. So you have the Spirit who gives life. You have the Spirit who's shaping our minds. You have the Spirit who is helping us kill sin, as Luke talked about. You have the Spirit who's uh, testifying in our hearts who, who, that we are children of God. You have the Spirit who's helping us pray prayers of Abba, Father. You have the Spirit who dwells in believers and has given us, right, this adoption or we have the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters of God. You also have the spirit who's the first fruits, who's giving us this hope of glory that's to come. You have the spirit who's doing all of these things and now we have the spirit who helps in our prayers and who is interceding on our behalf. Uh, intercession is this amazing thing. Uh, a Scottish theologian named John Murray says this. He says, the children of God have two divine intercessors. Christ is their intercessor in the court of heaven. He says, the Holy Spirit is their intercessor in the theater of their own hearts. You have two intercessors. You can look at Romans 8, 34. It's just a couple verses down the road there in that section. And it talks about how Christ is standing interceding on behalf of his people, showing forth that he has paid the penalty for their sins, that he is the one who has done the work, that he has done enough, and he stands interceding on our behalf. He's saying, they're mine for all who are in Christ. And now you have a second intercessor. You have the Spirit of God dwelling in your heart who is interceding on your behalf, who's stepping in into the mess, who is now going before God and praying for you. Uh, maybe this morning you came and you're like, I do not think people pray for me. Okay, well, you just got one more, you know, like, there you go. But more importantly, I, I just think, like, when people intercede on your behalf, it is by far one of the sweetest things. And one of the ways that happens in the church is, is it, it happens through prayer. Uh, I have a seminary professor. Um, I mean, I think I had her as a professor, maybe like 12 years ago, 13 years ago, like a while back. And she's a super nice lady. Her name's Leslie Dodrell. If you know her, tell her I said hi. Um, 
I guess I could email her too. She emails me. Uh, but um, every, about like, you know, I don't know, maybe a, every couple of years, in that right moment, I don't know how it works, but in that right time, I open up my email inbox and there's an email from Leslie saying that she prayed for me. She writes it out. And you know, it's just at that right moment in that right time and it reminds me that somebody is in my corner. And now here we got Paul saying, you have a person who is interceding on your behalf, the Spirit of God. And he's not saying like, oh, maybe sometimes. He's saying all the time he's doing it and he is coming before the Father, interceding on your behalf. It's just this amazing thing that from start to finish, the Spirit of God is going to make sure that God's people get to where they're supposed to go. And it's not because he's leaving you alone. It's because he is actively involved from the very beginning, causing his people to be born again, and then to the very end where we will realize our future glory and our Christ-likeness and our being in the presence of God. He even says in Romans 8 that because the Spirit dwells in you, you will be raised. Your body will be raised. Like, he's going to make sure from start to finish that we're going to get to where we need to go, and he's interceding on our behalf. But there's like this aside that I just want to like challenge us as a people a little bit is that you have two intercessors. You have Christ and you have the Spirit of God. But, I I mean, it's kind of like adjacent subject, tangent to that, is would you be maybe considering being like an intercessor for somebody in the room? Like as the people of God who are bought by the blood of Christ, who are filled with the Spirit, who are now seeking to go on this journey to this hope of glory, would you maybe consider asking the Lord to place someone on your heart to pray for them this week. That they would come along, that you would come alongside them and help them reach that. That they would then maybe grow in Christ-likeness and that they would then maybe kind of see the purpose, as Seth talked about, in our waiting and in our pain and in the different things that we suffer and the trials that we go through. Everybody needs more people in their corner. And we as the people of God, we believe in prayer. While we may not pray entirely how we ought, we actually believe in a holy God who has given us access by the blood of his Son and has empowered us to go confidently before the throne of grace and ask for help. So I'm just going to challenge you. Would you be an intercessor for somebody today? Maybe they're already on your mind. Shoot them a text. Send them an email. Let them know that someone's praying for them. The fourth way the Spirit helps is the Spirit helps by praying for us according to the will of God. According to the will of God. So uh, in verse 27, he says this, right? He says, And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Right? So the Spirit is helping us. He's interceding on our behalf, but he's doing it according to the will of God. Uh, part of maybe the reason we don't necessarily always know how to pray is because we don't know God's will fully. 
Now, we can come to know God's will as we dig into God's word, as we look at his revealed will. We study it, we pray over it, and we read it in community, and we encourage one another with it. There are tons of things in here that talk about God's will for us. But it is pretty amazing to kind of look at the inside working a little bit behind the curtain of kind of this relationship within the the triune God here. Take a look, right? He says, and, and the one and he who searches hearts talking about the Father, knows what is the mind of the Spirit. So the, the Father knows the mind of the Spirit. So the Spirit who's dwelling inside of his people, like God knows the mind of the Spirit who's dwelling inside Christians. And so then the Spirit intercedes for the saints. He's praying for these holy ones, God's people, according to the will of God. Right? That he knows best. He knows what's best for our life. And he's praying for that. You know, there's like that moment as a parent when you're cooking dinner and you're like up against the clock because bellies are hungry. And they're like, I need a snack. You're like, but I am cooking your favorite dinner. It's like steak. You know what I mean? Like it's the only thing my kids will eat without complaining is steak, you know? And so you're like, steak, just hold off. You can do it. And now here you got the Spirit praying for us according to the will of God. Because sometimes, you know, in the midst of pain and suffering, what kind of prayers do I pray? Ah, Lord, make it in. 2020 was hard, Lord. Give us an easier year. 2020 happened. Nope, didn't happen. 2022, make it a little, you know, sometimes they're selfish. Sometimes I ask wrongly. Sometimes they're there. But now I got the Spirit of God praying according to the will of God so that I can be confident and I can be assured that I will get and you will get and we all will get as God's saints, as his holy people, we will get to our desired end, which is the redemption that he's promised in Christ. Because he prays according to the will of God. Like, what is the will of God? I mean, I'll give you one verse that I like. You might not like it, but here you go. Here's one, you know, we all kind of find ourselves sometimes like, what is God's will for my life? Uh, that might be the wrong question, but that's probably a different sermon. But here's like 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. It's a good one. Short and sweet. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I probably don't pray very much like this. Uh, I, we've been doing a lot of Legos in our house, and so Legos are fun. We're starting to get the, you know, parents, you know about this. You get the bin of Legos, like all the instructions are gone. Now you just have this giant tub of Legos, and you're like, when can I get rid of this? Uh, we're not there yet. We're having fun with the Legos. But, you know, my kids will build them, and, and then they'll ask me, like, hey, can you build us something? And I'll build something that slightly resembles a spaceship or slightly resembles you know like a planet or whatever that's kind of like the kind of legos we got right now but when i actually follow the instructions my daughters are like amazed you know like oh my gosh look at that spaceship look at that robot and what did i do i actually followed the instructions and this is kind of like maybe a little bit what prayer is like a little bit 
is that in the messiness of not knowing what to pray for or how to pray uh, or feeling kind of inadequate, we pray our prayers with authenticity. We pray our prayers in the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray because prayer is not about getting it right, but spending time with God and getting on God's page. We pray. But then we also have someone who's praying on our behalf according to the will of God, kind of like a Lego master, you know, who's going to like all of a sudden build this amazing epic thing who follows it perfectly and is going to say, I'm going to make these people, this church look so glorious. Just watch. I'm praying for this. I'm going to watch them love God's love so much more. I'm going to watch them rejoice always in the midst of trials and suffering. I'm going to watch them seek the Lord in prayer and their faithfulness and persistence, then God's going to show up and do some amazing things. I'm going to pray over them that they would give thanks in all these circumstances because they know that there's this hope of glory. I'm going to pray that they would do this. I don't know what those two deep for words groanings are. I don't know what the Spirit's prayers are, but if we're reading Scripture and we're looking at what God wants for His people, what He wants is better than what we want most of the time, and so we should give thanks and glory in the fact that He's praying for this good stuff for us. So Paul says, you have a Spirit who helps. And if the point is, is so that we can see that the Spirit's helpful intercession really gets us to our guaranteed end that God has promised in Christ, uh, then there's like three takeaways that I'm going to give you. And they'll be short and sweet. Is the three takeaways are this. Dependence, assurance, and endurance. If we have two intercessors, if we have someone praying on our behalf, if we have uh, uh, the Spirit who's helping us in our weakness— who's helping us get to our desire or God's desired end for our lives, then here you go. Dependence. If we really are a weak people, then let's, like Paul says, God's power is made perfect in weakness. His grace is sufficient for you. Let's depend upon the Lord. Let's not try to lose out on the actual access to all this amazing power that we have, but really... Let's trust that God is powerful. So let's pray. Let's depend upon the Lord. The second one is assurance. All of Romans 8 is moving in this direction, that you as a Christian would believe the truth and would know that you are his. And that you would know where you're headed. That you would know that you're getting to this final end of the hope of glory, of being with Christ in his presence, in a place that is better than here. And that that new creation is coming. That, that's like what Romans 8 is trying to get us to. And it's going to keep getting better as he talks about how God's love works. So be assured today that you have an intercessor who is praying for you. The Spirit of God is with you. If you're a Christian, he's praying on your behalf according to the will of God. And the amazing thing is, those prayers get answered. If you're wondering today, like, will I make it to the end? Be assured of this. If you're his, then yes, you will get there. And then the last one is endurance. If we know where we're going, we know what our end is, then let's have the endurance by the power of the Spirit to live lives that honor the Lord, that pray that are moving in acts of service and love. Let's endure 
through the varying trials that come at us and know that God is with us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for uh, the truths found in Romans 8. Father, even when we don't know how to pray, I pray, Lord, that we would see that you're with us, that you're praying on our behalf. God, that you uphold us, that you are mighty. And so, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the gift of the Spirit. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.